So the question is, how do busy dads get into great shape with limited time, space, and equipment, all while enjoying the process and without sacrificing family time? If you want to know the secrets to dialing in your nutrition, being consistent, and staying motivated to achieve your fitness goals once and for all, then this is the podcast for you. I'm Kevin Torres, and this is the Dad Bod Wad Podcast. All right, welcome back to the show, my friends. I'm your host, Kevin Torres, and I'm all about helping new or soon-to-be dads get into amazing shape without sacrificing family time because I know all too well what it's like to be in the throes of early fatherhood, to have all those demands pulling for your time, right? And the things that you love to do, want to do, need to do for yourself tend to fall by the wayside and then suddenly a few years go by and you realize you haven't prioritized yourself because you've been busy prioritizing your family, the needs of your family, prioritizing work, prioritizing other needs rather than yourself. And so this show is designed specifically to motivate you to prioritize yourself if nothing else even for 15 minutes a day and I promise it's all it takes 15 minutes a day is all you need to get into amazing shape without sacrificing so much time before we jump in two quick things one is it's the holidays so if you're listening to this in real time it's uh this is the holiday episode it's not really I I wasn't sure if I was going to publish an episode for this week because it's the holidays and people are traveling and then I figured that if you are traveling or in the car or maybe getting on a flight or whatever and you or maybe just running errands or wrapping gifts or something and you just want somebody to keep you company then I figured why not publish another episode for this week just so you have something um if you're not already a member in our free private Facebook community, please do so by going to Facebook and searching for the Dad Bod Wad private community and requesting access. There you're going to find hundreds of like-minded guys like yourself who are trying to be better every single day, who are trying to create a legacy of health and fitness for their families, who are you know, supporting one another, asking questions, seeking advice, looking for help. It's just an amazing community. I'd love for you to be a part of that community as well. Also, if you're listening to this in real time, January is right around the corner and I'm cooking up a 21-day kickstart. It's going to be called 21 Days to 2021, which I'm really excited to announce. I haven't posted it yet on social media, but I'm excited to announce this. And really, what we're this is the kickstart that you need to 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 getting your health and fitness in check in 2021. So if you're even curious or interested about what 21 Days in 2021 is all about, shoot me a quick email at kevin at dadbodwad.net. And I'll get you, you know, I'll, we'll chat. We'll get you all the details. And we'll, we'll figure out if it's the right fit for you. All right. All right. Today, what we're going to be talking about is the five things you might not have known about me. And I posted this on social media the other day. And I figured this would be a fun sort of way to, to introduce myself a little bit more to you because, um, you know, I... Week in, week out, I'm sharing tips, I'm sharing my advice. You guys know I'm a father, you know I work out, right? But, you know, how much do you really know about me? And, you know, and this is true about anybody on social media. Social media, it's always like, yeah, you know, people post the things that they want you to see, right? What I call their highlight reel. But but nobody shows you or shares, or, or oftentimes most people aren't showing and sharing 
all of the other things, right? The underbelly of the beast. They're not showing the, you know, the, 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 the regular, the mundane, the, the, all, all the things like that, you know, previously were happening in their life that led them to where they were at, right? Unless it's like this inspiring story. But by and large, most people are just showing you like the things that they want to share and it makes total sense. It's social media. But nonetheless, I wanted to share five things you might not, uh, might not have known about me. Um, and you know, it's, it's a little, uh, it was definitely uncomfortable to post, honestly. Um, before I posted, I was like, oh man, am I really going to post this? Am I really going to say this? Am I really going to share this? And same thing. If you haven't seen, um, I posted a, a, a pic of my daughter and me in the, on the day she was born in the hospital. And I was like, you know, I was already kind of into the fitness thing. I was coaching people. I was, you know, doing online. I mean, not online. I was, I was coaching people in person only. Right. Um, and I just, you know, but my wife was pregnant. I wasn't like living up to my own standards. And I posted that picture and that one was really, really difficult for me to share too. Um, because it's so just like, you know, there I am without my shirt in the flesh, you know, and it's hard to, hard to sort of like run away from that once it's out there in the world. So, but without further ado, let's jump into five things you might not have known about me. And the first one is, and if you already saw the social media post, that's great. I'll just go into a little bit more detail here, um, is one, obviously, in addition to being the founder and head trainer of the Forging Elite Fathers uh, program, I'm a middle school vice principal, which if you're hearing this for the first time, yep, you heard that right. I am currently a middle school vice principal. And in fact, I've been in education for over a decade. And I started out as a seventh grade history teacher. Now, to be honestly honest, I didn't start out as a seventh grade history teacher. I actually started out as like an apprentice teacher teaching some fifth grade classes and sixth grade classes. And then the, 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 the dean left and the sixth grade history teacher became the dean and then I became the, his, the sixth grade history teacher mid-year. But then my first true assignment the following year was seventh grade history. So, uh, and and that, that's U.S. history and U.S. history is what I went to college for and it was my passion. It's what I always wanted to teach, but I never thought I would end up in middle school, but it was what was hiring at the time. So I'm a vice principal in, in a middle school. And uh, I started out as a seventh grade U.S. history teacher. In fact, in those early days of teaching, our commu- our teaching crew was such a tight-knit crew. It was, you know, a whole bunch of young people in their 20s. Um, and we, you know, there was like, I want to say out of like 20 or 30 teaching staff, there were like maybe like a third that were super, you know, like who wanted to get in shape and do the, you know, bit, uh, boot camp classes and stuff. So I started hosting free boot camp classes for the teaching staff and, you know, extended, you know, like if somebody wanted to bring their wife or a friend or something, like totally could. Um, and we would do them down in the cafeteria, which was a little messy. We would do them in the schoolyard. We would do them in the gym. Um, and it was a blast. And it's seriously like the, the most fun I ever had. And I loved doing that. And, uh, you know, just leading those boot camp classes for, for teachers, so much fun. Um, we would have music. It was like uh, almost like Tony Horton style, right? It was like um, it wasn't so much like you know like a CrossFit class to coach just walking around the class, but it was like you know picture your high intensity interval training class with the you know the trainer in the front doing the squats with you, jumping around with you. Like that was me. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm a, I'm in education. So if you didn't know that, now you do. Um, two 
the other thing you might not have known me is about me is I started playing the guitar when I was 11 years old. I play the guitar. I, I don't play it so much now, right? Just super busy with everything that I have going on, but I still play. I play kind of like uh, once or twice a week at night with the kids. Um, we'll play, you know, pop songs, whatever they want to hear, Taylor Swift or Wheels on the Bus. It, it doesn't matter. Um, but I started out when I was like 11 years old and it was after discovering Nirvana, like growing up, I loved the Beatles. My mom gave me a bunch of Beatles tapes. Um, and my brother and I used to listen to the Beatles all the time, but you know, that, that still felt far away. Like there were the Beatles. That was a big band. There were whatever. Then around 10, I discovered Nirvana and started watching Nirvana videos. Maybe I don't even remember what it was, or maybe looking at pictures, but I remember like picking up a baseball bat and just like strumming the guitar, being you know like strumming it as though it was a guitar, and thinking like, man, this is like totally awesome. Nirvana is so good, and for some reason the guitar in Nirvana like resonated. I was just like, I could totally like you know picking up the baseball bat. I was like, I could totally do this, um, and so. Luckily, my mom had a guitar, believe it or not, under her bed. She just had a guitar in a guitar case under her bed from years ago from when she tried learning. And I remember when I was a kid, I would unlock it every now and then and I'd hit the strings and it would make a, you know, like very loud at the time in my head, like noise. And it was like, whoa, that was crazy. So because she had the guitar, my brother asked her if we can get it, if we could restring it. And then we started teaching ourselves. So we're all self-taught, my brother and I. Um, but it, luckily for us, Nirvana, if anybody here plays the guitar, Nirvana is nothing but power chords. So like once you learn a power chord, you can literally play every single Nirvana song almost. Um, and so, you know, within a matter of days and weeks and months, like suddenly I was I was able to play like every single song under the sun written by Nirvana. And I was like the man, right? So like by sixth, seventh grade, I was already like, you know, super into guitar and there was like my identity um and started some bands and i played around in bands all through middle school um and and then in high school might have gone through like a goth stage and then i went through an emo stage and i went through my punk stage and i was in a punk band right so I, i've been through all of those stages my pop punk my emo punk all of that so if any of that is resonating with you if you listen to the same things and you know exactly what i'm talking about especially around like that 2000 era right like in uh 2000 2001 the height of that of that emo pop punk um wave um in fact, I even dropped out of high school for a little while to go on tour with my band, which again, I ended up having to make up those credits, but it was totally worth it. And like, just like such a fun experience on the driving up and down the East coast and with my friends playing shows for like 11 people <laughs> at a location, which was awesome. Um, number three is I was raised by by a mother in a single parent household. So my mom, my my dad left when I was a kid. You know, it's the classic story. You know, I, I was in utero still. I was still I was still in my mom's belly. Um so I never really grew up with a father at all. Not even I never really. I never grew up with my dad um uh, or a dad. And so I guess I didn't realize like what I was missing, whereas my brother was like around seven years old already when that happened. So for him, I think it was a little bit more traumatic, but whatever. Um, but when I was a kid, it was kind of just like, you know, I don't know. This is I thought this was like what everybody's house was like, right? Um, so I had no idea. But, um, 
my 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 two older brothers were like so much older than I was. Like I said, the middle one was seven, and the other one was like already like thirteen, maybe even fourteen years older than us. I don't even know. Um, so he was already out of the house. And then the middle one, like by the time I was in the seventh grade, he shipped out to the Marine Corps. So, um, you know, by the time I was like in seventh grade, it was as though I was like an only child. So it was just like my mother and me, and you know, my music and all that stuff. So I had my room, she had her room, and that was it. Um, and you know, we grew up in a, in a two bedroom apartment in, in Brooklyn in here in New York city. Um, so, you know, that was fine. And my brother leaving for the Marine Corps kind of planted the seed for event for my eventual military service. But I'll talk about that here more in a second because my brother, um, being a Marine was all like, sort of like hoorah, gung ho Marine Corps, this Marine Corps, that every other branch of service sucks. If you're in the Army, you're this. If you're in the Navy, you're that. If you're in the Air Force, you're that. You're not a Marine, right? And so I was like, man, I really want to join the military, but I don't want to be in the Marines because <laughs> the Marine Corps seems so, I don't know, like if this is how my brother is talking and thinking, then they must really uh, do a number on you. And I kind of don't want to be a part of that. But eventually, um, throughout middle school and high school, I started um, reading more about World War II and, um, you know, just like like the the infamous airborne and and the seaborne soldiers who fought in d-day and i was like man and all of those guys were army and i was like man the army is pretty badass i don't know what my brother's talking about about you know the marine corps being the the the, the best and everybody else sucking um because it seems here that the army led the entire operation on d-day and the marine corps were nowhere to be found right they were obviously in the pacific but that's not the point so then I got into my own, and I was like, you know what? The Army is going to be the shit. I, I'm going to join the Army. Uh, sorry for cursing if you have little ones near you. Um, I'm going to be um, – I'm going to join the Army, and so I eventually did. But that's another story. Um, number four is while finishing my degree – and while finishing my college degree my, at NYU, um, which where I got my bachelor's and my master's from, um, I was actually a barista when I first met my wife. Um, I was a barista and then a bartender in Manhattan. So the, the the bartending gig came from the barista gig because I had this guy who used to come in every single day at the same time for, for a latte. And it was at the rush. It was like at 3 o'clock. Kids were getting out of school, so parents were bringing them by for pastries and stuff like that. It was always super busy at the time. I'm, I'm managing the music, doing the coffee thing by myself, doing the register and all that stuff. And this guy, his name was Gates used to come to the coffee shop every single day at the same time. And it was always super nice, always super friendly, always had like a really nice smile. And he was like, uh, have you ever thought about bartending? I was like, no. I mean, yeah, that'd be awesome. But, you know, like it's at Catch-22. Who's going to hire you without a bar? Who's going to hire you without experience? And who's going to give you experience, right? Like like that. Um and he was like, well, it's kind of like the same thing that you're doing now, just like different ingredients, right? Like you're managing the register, you're, you're, you're doing the beverage, you're taking care of the music, you're by yourself, you know, like you're, you're t talking to customers and you're being cool with the customers. So it's a lot of the same thing, but just totally different ingredients. And I was like, yeah, I have no idea, but I, I didn't know anything about alcohol except how to drink a beer, right? But I didn't know like anything about spirits and vodkas and whiskeys and blah 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 and mixers and all that stuff. None of the lingo, the terminology, nothing. I didn't. I, I didn't even go to bars like that. And if I did, it was for beers. So I was just going to bars for bars to overpriced for overpriced beers. Anyway, he. It turns out he was a manager at a bar, and he was like, "Well, you can come work for me." And I was like, 
sick. Where? And it was in Midtown Manhattan, which was one of the actually in, in Flatiron. It was one of the coolest jobs I ever had. I ended up staying there for like a maybe a year or two. Um, such good money, and it was just such a fun experience. The owners were the nicest, and it was in New York City. This was before the meltdown in 2008. So I want to say like 2007, 2008, around that time, um, where people were just spending money willy-nilly. And then, of course, 2008, everything came to like a, like a halt there. But it was such a good time prior to that. Um, and then I eventually got another job at this super high-end fancy bar called Monkey Bar, which was like in this uh, hotel in in Midtown Manhattan. And um, while we were gearing up to open up to build, I had to learn this tremendous wine list from a sommelier, this person guy who does wine stuff. I had to learn all about wines and the different profiles and the tastes and the light and the grapes and the origins and all that stuff. Just like way in over my head of like, like into this alcohol world that I had no idea. And like around professional bartenders, people were like, who've been bartending for years at this place and that place. And they've served cocktails to this person and that person. And they were all like, oh yeah, I totally served Paul McCartney. Oh yeah, me too. I had Paul McCartney once. And you know, just like these like real bartenders. And I was like, um, you know, totally out of my league. Nonetheless, I got the job. But then uh, in like a little team meeting thing, we we're going over cocktails and uh, I was asked to make a Negroni. And I totally didn't know what the hell a Negroni was. Maybe I heard of it. Maybe I made it once in my in my other job. Um, you know, it was it. I knew how to make a Cosmo. You know, a vodka whiskey. You know, like whatever. Like I knew how to make the regular drinks, right? And whatever cocktails we had on our menu. But a classic like Negroni. Who knew? Who knew I needed to know that? And uh, because I couldn't name the, because I couldn't figure it out, um, they let me go. So, which was good because then I prioritized college and I wasn't waking up, you know, like going to sleep at like three in the morning or four in the morning and being all out of wits, out of my, out of sorts and groggy and stuff. And I was able to graduate with like a 3.9 GPA. So I know, I know, I know, a little dust my shoulder off there a second. Um, number five is, when I joined the army, so this is now like in 2003, um, maybe 2002, when I joined the army, I really, really, again, going back to my D-Day days and my World War II days, I really wanted to be in the 101st Airborne Division. I read Stephen Ambrose's book, Band of Brothers, and then his other book, D-Day, um, and then I read... Um, the, the the this guy uh, who was Dave uh, Kenyon Webster, who was in the Band of Brothers company, he put out a book called Parachute Infantry, and I read that book. And of course, I watched the series Band of Brothers. Right, I didn't have HBO at the time, but when the when the box set came out, I bought the box set and like binge watched that thing in like a day or two. It was amazing and in such inspiring to me. And I was like, man, if I'm gonna join the army. I want to be in the 101st Airborne Division. And mind you, 9-11 had already happened. And when 9-11 happened, I knew that I was going to join the military. I was like, holy crap, I have to join the military. But I thought that Afghanistan was going to be like the Gulf War. You know, I figured America, gone were the days where we where we commit to 10-year wars, like the Vietnam War, right? We learned our lesson. And so 
Afghanistan is going to be a super simple in and out, just like the Gulf War. We're going to do, you know, a a twelve a a two month operation and a two month cleanup and call it a day. Um, and so I didn't join immediately after nine eleven because I didn't want to end up in just some occupation army or just to go sit on on a base in Germany or Japan or something for three or four years in like a you know in Bill Clinton's army, right? Like in like a peacetime army. And so, you know, I was again, I was 18, 19. I wanted to, I wanted to fight. And so, um, then around in September of 2002, I want to say August or September, 2002, the, the Bush administration started talking about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and Saddam Hussein and all this other stuff. And I was like, this looks like it's going to happen. Like whether or not it's legit, whether or not there are weapons of mass destruction, whether or not any of this is true. That's not the point. The point is this looks like it's going to happen and I want to be a part of it. And so, you know, for better or for worse, I was like, I think this is happening and I'm going to sign up. And so I ended up signing up for the army knowing that we were going to invade Iraq and wanting to be a part of that because I felt like after having read all those books on World War II, like those young kids who at the time when their country called for them, they joined. I was like, man, like this is like my opportunity. And I already knew that I wanted to teach history and, and be a history teacher and a history buff at the time. And I was like, I don't want to wake up at like 30 or 35 and end up watching about the Iraq invasion on the History Channel thinking like, man, I could have been there or man, that looks so interesting or man, I wonder what that experience could have been like or man, I was 18 at the time. I was totally able-bodied and I, and, I, and, I, and I wussed out or I chickened out or I backed out or I chose another path, right? And so I was like, I'm just going to, I'm doing this. And so I lied to my mom. I told my mom I was joining something having to do with airborne, and she had no idea what that meant. She was like, oh, okay, cool. So like aviation, avionics, you'll learn something, you'll get out, and you will you can get a job in that field. And I was like, exactly. But I really joined the infantry in the airborne, and um, specifically the 101st Airborne. And the 101st Airborne is stationed in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So it's not a glamorous uh, duty assignment, right? It's not a glamorous base. And when I was signing up, I had like a high enough score in my ASVAB, which is the military entrance exam or whatever, that I was basically being offered any job I wanted in the military. I could do the radio, I could do medical, I could do, you know, air support, whatever, right? And on top of that, I could choose whichever duty assignment I wanted. I could have chosen a job and a duty assignment in Italy, in Germany, in Hawaii, in Alaska, wherever. And when I told him I wanted to be airborne, he's like, oh, cool, I'll send you to Italy. There's a 173rd Airborne Brigade in Vincenza, Italy. I'll send you there. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. He was like, all right, then how about Hawaii? The 501st, I think, is out there. I forget who exactly. Um, I was like, yeah, it's pretty sweet. But I really want to be in the 101st Airborne. How do I do that? And he looked at me and he's like, man, you've been watching too much of those Band of Brothers, haven't you? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? I, what do you, I, I never even heard of that. Like, and no, he was right, though. I had been watching too much of the Band of Brothers. And that's like, I was like, I don't care if it's in Kentucky. I want that Screaming Eagle on my shoulder. And so, you know, he let me sign up for the 101st Airborne. He's like, dude, you're making my job real easy right now that was it. And I was in and, um, and I don't regret being in the 101st met some of the most amazing served with some of the most amazing guys ever ended up serving two tours in Iraq, um, in 2003 to 2004. So during that, like, um, 
initial during the first year of the war there, and then again in the 2005 to 2006, which was the height of the sectarian violence and the insurgency. It was like a much different Iraq than than it was in 2003 to 2004. So, and I'd love to share that story on another day, but I know where you're. If you're, you know, that's enough for one day. And so, again, I hope that you took the time and and. You learned a little bit more about me, uh, and I'm really curious. Like, what's one thing that you learned about me that is like, huh? I had no idea that that was so, and that's really interesting. And if and if any of that resonates, I'd love for you to leave this episode a five star review. Heck, you could do that. The reason why I do I suge- I always suggest that is because it helps other guys like you find this amazing community that we're all trying to build. When you find a new podcast or find a new product on Amazon, you probably read the reviews first. I know I do, and other guys must do too. So when they see your reviews, they're like, hey, if other people like this show, I'll give it a shot. But if any of this resonates or any, you know, you just want to chat, then just shoot me an email at kevin at dadbodwad.net and say, yo, Kev, I listened to that episode and that was, I had no idea that you were a vice principal. That's amazing. I'm a teacher too, or I'm a vice principal too, whatever. Um, would love to hear from you. With that, happy, uh, Merry Christmas. If you're listening to this in real time, enjoy the holidays. Um, Next week is going to be New Year's Eve, so be on the lookout for an episode prior to that as well. And every, every week we're here and... 2021 is going to be your year. So and if you want support, if you want to join an amazing community and get the individualized, customized, one-to-one support that you need, I'd love to serve you in the 21 days in 20, 21 days to kickstart 2021. Um, and if you're interested in that, again, you shoot me an email or find me on, on Instagram DMs or Facebook Messenger, and I'm happy to chat. Until we talk soon, keep forging elite fathers. You rock. Thank you.